But the sorceress avenged herself on the prince by imprisoning him in a stone tower without a roof. Deprived of shelter, he was scorched by the sun and soaked by the rain and snow. And the sorceress commanded a raven to fly over the tower once a day and let fall a thimbleful of water and a morsel of food as black and bitter as wormwood. Tanko fell silent. The other boys sitting beside him on the tree trunk stared at him expectantly. Florin could feel the prince's parching thirst, the taste of wormwood on his tongue. What then? Senna insisted. What happened to the prince after that? Lost in thought, Tanko bent and picked up a round piece of moss from the forest floor. Stroking it as if it were a furry little animal, he went on. The prince groaned aloud in his distress, but all that answered him was the silence of the sky and the howling of the wind. And the sorceress, having considered how to increase his sufferings, commanded an eagle to... The boys gave a jump, startled by a loud snapping of twigs in the undergrowth. What an impressive sight, said a familiar voice. The four youngsters sprang to their feet at the sound of it. There they sit, like a row of ring doves, the future masters of Moldavia, shuddering at some old wife's tale. Why trouble to go to the exercise yard? Let old Count Ursio teach his straw dummies to fence. The bushes parted, and a grey-haired man stepped into the clearing. Short and wiry, he was nimble and vigorous in his movements, and had a face like tanned leather. Although Count Ursio was very old, or so he seemed to his pupils, he still wore the leather tunic and iron shin armor of a swordsman. He proceeded to examine the four youngsters like an officer inspecting his troops. Having looked daggers at each of them in turn, he came to a halt in front of Tanko. Why not finish your story? he demanded, rocking belligerently on his heels. Tanko stared at the tips of his shoes in sheepish silence. Count Ursio drew a deep breath. Teller of fairy tales, he spat out the words like the coarsest of insults. You're nothing but a dreamer, he barked like a furious mastiff. Go take your tales and sit with the washerwomen. It's no wonder any farmer's lad can unhorse you. You aim to be one of the king's knights? A fairground huckster, that's all you're fit for. I'll give you a handbell, then you can join the clowns and fire-eaters and entertain the rabble in the streets. Radbod, who was standing beside Tanko, tittered despite himself. He would have done better not to, because Count Ursio promptly rounded on him. And what of you, my boy? He pressed Radbod's head back with two fingers under his chin to force the youth to look him in the eye. What will your noble father say if I send you home to your fine castle? What if I advise him to tie you to your nursemaid's apron strings for another few years before he sends you back to the Royal School of Knighthood? Although nearly thirteen, Radbot was, much to his sorrow, short for his age and slender. He swallowed this insult with his lips pressed tightly together. But here's the biggest buffoon of all, the old count left Radbod and drew himself up in front of Senna, who was almost a head taller. You think you're the best of this wretched bunch? You hope to succeed Sturmius as the prince's bodyguard? 
The louder his voice became, the more Senna seemed to shrink. Tell me something. What would you have done if a horde of vile Vinlanders had burst in on Tanko's fairy tale, uttered a spell, and turned them into toads? Senna tried to speak. But, 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 Count Ursio, there aren't any Vinlanders so close to Montfield Castle. You know that full well. 